0: Thank you. Welcome to DevMode.fm, a podcast dedicated to the tools, techniques, and technologies used in modern web development. I'm Andrew Welch from NY Studio 107.
1: I'm Jennifer Blumberg from Next Solutions in New York.
0: I'm Matt Stein from Working Concept in Austin. I'm Jonathan Melville from MDD in Atlanta. And I'm
2: Patrick Harrington from Mildly Geeky in Boston.
0: And today we have on Ben Croker. How are you doing, Ben?
3: I'm well, thank you.
0: And we also have another Ben. We have Ben Perizic. How are you doing, Ben?
3: Good day. Doing good.
0: And today we're going to be talking about handling developer burnout. Uh, And this is something that Ben P that you brought up to me that you wanted to kind of talk about a little bit. So if you were out in rural Wisconsin, extracting castorium from a beaver's backside and a fellow beaver extractor walks up to you and says, hey, what is this developer burnout anyway? Like, how would you answer (laughs) him?
4: I would tell this beaver that...
5: (laughs) no no, <laughs> no we're, not,
0: we're not talking to the Are beaver Are speaking
5: to beavers we're talking oh.
0: we're talking to the fellow beaver oh. castorium extractor
5: How do you know when you're really burnt <laughs> out yeah yeah, yeah he chose one. to speak to the beaver right that's his <laughs> no, go with it what
6: should I do with my life
5: beaver
4: I, I, I feel burnout is it an- Extremely, from a first-person perspective, burnout is a very hard thing to describe because mm. it's something you have to kind of come to awareness of before you are capable of acknowledging it and that it often you're not in a position to do that when you're burning out. You feel like you're doing everything you can to keep on top of things, but your list never ends and your list never ends and your list never ends.
0: Yeah, and I think part of it is, at least for me, it sound, it feels like a, kind of like you're just tired. You know, like that, you feel like a little bit overwhelmed with what you're tasked with doing. And why don't we talk about how this pertains to development in particular? And one of the, the classic examples of this is JavaScript burnout or JavaScript fatigue, right? In terms of there's always something new to learn. There's always this, this crazy stuff that you have to do. In the, the context of development, like where does this burnout, what does that mean to you in this context, Ben?
4: Yeah, it's, I think in the case of developer burnout, I, I think my experience with it is... Partially, I think as a developer or anybody who's a single person shop at the start, you start because you're, you love what you're doing right. and you probably are pretty decent at it. And you get a few people who say, Hey, I think you're decent at it too. And they want to work with you. And, and then all of a sudden, uh, if you do a good job. More people say they want to work with you and you have too much work. And, mm. and this is where it all begins to crash down because your role begins to change. What you once were good at developing or whatever it is that you're doing starts to shift into management and starts to shift into coordinating other, other roles in a lot bigger way. Your mm. responsibility starts to no longer become just about you being responsible, it becomes about managing other people to be responsible and understanding that your savings account, which might be something that you fall back on to feel comfortable in life, starts to not be the thing that you're falling back on because you're paying other people and uh, having money to pay other people becomes a bigger picture issue and it's not your personal savings account that's the thing that matters anymore, it's having a functional business and a business savings account to deal with it so a lot of that is overwhelming as you as you learn the hundreds of new roles that you're taking on and and the mistakes you are helping you make sense of them along the way and then often that starts to creep over into your personal life and other areas where you've you've prioritized what you're worrying about more than the people who care about you most and you get to deal with that so i think it's real in the the, the developer sense and definitely as i've grown from developer to business owner and seeing things like JavaScript explode, you feel very behind in the context of something like JavaScript, because mm. there's no way you can be testing every new framework, even if you were dedicated to it full time. But your role starts to shift to even not be necessary to know anything about it beyond kind of what it needs to do at the top level, because your role is shifting to be able to find the right people who can keep on top of it.
0: Yeah, your or, role, your role has shifted to be more of a manager or a CTO or that type of thing, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that's inevitable, right? In terms of the the growth of a business. If you do start out as a freelance web developer and you do a really good job, maybe you do too good of a job and you have lots of people that want to get in touch with you to do stuff. We have two choices, right? You either turn away work or you hire people and you subcontract that work out. Or not even subcontract. You just absorb that, and it is no longer you doing the work. It is the organization that is doing the work. But this is something that you have been on kind of a a personal journey from uh, that perspective, right? So tell us about what's going on with with you and Barrel Strength.
4: Yeah, I was. Uh, so I, I think I, I was thinking about it before this chat today and I, I think I experienced it back in 2015 or so. I, I, our our barrel strength was growing and I grew over the course of a short time. it got a large client and grew from being a one, two, four person shop to kind of having eight to 10 people and even up to 14 when you throw in contractors and, and other stuff going on. So there was a lot going on and it was a burnout that was very much driven by not knowing how to manage the growth of a company and mm. all the different roles that came along with that and i think this year i've been experiencing it again in a much uh, lighter way but also kind of in the the opposite direction we've shifted a lot of things as a company over the last years and and now we're a team of about 5 people and much happier <laughs> with the the scope of what i'm de- dealing with and working on and managing there but I've almost dealt with it in the other way of the company is smaller. And now I'm, I'm again involved in, as your company grows, you can fall more into a single role if you do it right, maybe, right. (laughs) Or you you could, you could rely on the division of labor to help you, um, you know, get over. I think part of burning out is getting spread too thin and getting involved in too many things. And the more you can choose to specialize, the more that helps to kind of narrow down what you're having to deal with. And as you shrink a business or, or small. Again, you kind of end up right back at the start of, of all of a sudden you need to be doing everything again and, and the burnout, you know, comes back at you <laughs> in, in, in other ways. So, yeah.
0: So what does it feel like? I, like, what does it feel so, when this burnout I, comes on? Like, how does it, I, does it feel like there's wrote, a weight on your chest or? or, or I,
4: I wrote up a, an experience on my, my personal blog. I wrote up kind of an experience of it just to kind of document it for myself. And so I'm going to, I'm going to read like just the symptoms that I feel I concluded. Cause I, I think if you are in a state of feeling, uh, you know, like too much is going on, it's not always obvious that these things are our reasons. So, I have on my list shorter temper. I had quicker mood swings and quicker breakpoints. I'd just get mad at things like mm. quicker even when I kind of knew it wasn't reasonable but I, I would be doing it. I had less respect, I think mostly shown around people that I cared about most mm. um, who, who try, were trying to help me but I just didn't want to hear about it because I was trying to do my best and couldn't deal with it. So, I feel where I was least respectful wasn't to my clients who I was maybe burnt out and trying to keep relationships in place and and be respectful through that. But it was towards people uh, in my personal life or, uh, you know, on my team where I just was like, that was I was more trusting around them and would reach my breaking point quicker and more comfortably. I had I don't know how to pronounce this, eczema, <laughs> itchiness, redness, oh, it's like a skin flakiness. condition, right? <laughs> yeah, around yep. my eyes, like, there's certain, like, conditions that I just, like, had a lot more um, stress. They're kind of stress-related conditions that mm-hmm. dealt with. I had a kind of a lock jaw thing happening. I was almost grinding my teeth at night. When I'd wake up in the morning, my right jaw would just be kind of locked open and I need to bend in a weird way to, like, snap it back in place. Anxiety, I had more t- tingling in my arms, tension in my chest. I always felt like I needed more sleep, just no matter what. Now, Ben, a lot lot of what you're
0: describing is the way that I felt after I had kids. (laughs)
4: <laughs> <laughs> and but, I don't know how people run businesses and or be develop, you know work and have kids. So you, but I th- you but I think mm-hmm. they
0: well, but I think they may be very related, right? Because it's not it's not yeah. the act of what's going on at work, and it's not the act of necessarily you know having kids. It's more less sleep, more pressure. You know what I mean.
4: Yeah. Yeah. And it it kind of manifests in this, just like you, you're less motivated towards things. Like I remember starting my business, starting the projects we have and being so excited about them. And I just Mm -hmm. reached a point where I was just, I knew I wanted to be excited about them still, but I (laughs) couldn't find that. Like in the morning, I wake up and I'm like, I'm going to code this right now. Cause I, I, I've got the vision, and I know it could happen. I just couldn't process that
5: much complexity any longer.
0: Yeah, Matt, you wanted to get in here and say something.
5: Yeah, I'm, I'm descended from prey animals, and I'm naturally kind of an anxious <laughs> type person to start with. But what? Uh, where is that line though between being stressed out and overwhelmed, or just having a bad day or bad week, and and reaching a point where you've you've hit burnout? Like, is yeah. where where do you cross over?
0: Well, as a prey animal. Matt so you're used to running in fear and mm-hmm. ducking into your hole well I mean the breaking point is when you don't want to come out of the hole again I think oh, that's a great yeah. answer <laughs> uh, go ahead yeah. Ben what were you gonna say
4: yeah no I think the breaking point is when you have kind of it, it's a weird breaking point I almost feel you don't choose it it chooses you <laughs> <laughs> but you, you can be more you could position yourself to be more susceptible to letting it choose you right I mean being more accepting of the feedback you're getting or, or knowing more about it to kind of recognize that it's happening I feel I'm going through a lot of similar things or I've have gone through a lot of similar things this year, but I feel I've I've had less physical effects or less relationship effects happen because I've been more aware of it. So I, I feel as I've gone through it this year, I haven't been dealing with the shorter temper and less respect, or as many like physical symptoms as much as dealing with feeling largely my roles not aligned with my goals individually, and and not knowing how to get back into the you know the space where I feel competent and capable of of being proud of what I do.
0: And we'll we'll get back to your story, but I just want to walk around with some of the other people that are here in this kind of roundtable discussion and see if anyone else has kind of dealt with or experienced a burnout in, in this way. So, uh, Ben Croker, I'm going to start with you because you're basically just the epitome of of calm and centeredness. You're up there in your Alps doing your yoga. I would imagine this is not an issue
3: for you, right? Oh, <laughs> I don't know if i go that far. I do indulge in some activities that, that involve being uh, in the great outdoors and being far away from the computer. But I actually also spend a, a huge amount of time sitting in front of the computer. And over the years, I mean, my business has gone through phases, but. I I did obviously uh, reach points where I was stressed and where I found myself kind of out of the role that I wanted to be in, you know, out of the developer role and, mm. and creeping into the managerial role and <laughs> just managing people, managing clients. And for me, it was important to come back to what is it that I actually want to be doing and, and how can I make that possible again? And how can I put myself back into the developer role where I feel like I am I can provide the most value, uh, but it's also what I enjoy doing the most.
0: Yeah, no, I can I definitely understand that. I don't think I necessarily ever experienced burnout, but I did experience tune out from the point of view that I I ran a business to the point where it was doing incredibly well. And I was sort of almost vestigial, you know, I mean, I, I managed stuff Mm -hmm. and that kind of thing, but I wasn't that involved and I, I just kind of detached from it, you know, and that's why I ended up winding it down and and, and that kind of thing. But I I never, honestly, I never really felt, felt burnt out. I just felt detached,
3: you know? I think, um, the thing that's interesting to me about burnout is that it kind of it kind of set kind of has what it is in the name because it's kind of like when we lose that flame, right? Mm. Where we lose that kind of connection to what it is that we're doing. I think of exhaustion. Well, I think that's entirely. one part of it. Yeah. Okay. I think that's one part of it, but right. I think there's also I yeah. I think there's a kind of a disconnection to mm. what you know why you got into this in the first place, right? And like a couple of years down the road, you could find yourself in a place where you're going like well, you know what? Why am I doing this? Mm-hmm. You know, this isn't what I got into this for, right? And possibly a feeling of helplessness. How do I get out of this situation? I'm so deep in this situation. I have, you know, all these people possibly depending on me, all these clients waiting That's for a me big to one. deliver what I've promised. How do I even start thinking about how to get out of this situation?
0: Yeah, that dependency thing is a big one that if anyone who hasn't been in the position of running a company and having people whose livelihood is depending on you, it's a big deal.
4: There's all these symptoms I think we can talk about, but there's no exact exact list. It's going to be different right. for each individual. And your threshold of it matters is going to be different for each individual. I think the the main thing I kind of resolve at the end of this is that there's problems that you learn that you, that you can solve. And then there's problems that you learn to manage. And right. it's just one of those things you learn to manage. It's like maybe it goes away for a while, but it's never going to go away forever unless you really just stop doing everything. And then You'll probably have other problems to deal with.
0: And we, we got someone on this podcast but named this is, Burned Out a... Johnny. And I want to hear what Burned Out Johnny has to say about this whole thing. So you, you Burned Out is in your name. Have you ever experienced any kind of developer burnout or fatigue or anything, Jonathan?
6: Oh, yeah, absolutely. In fact, uh, me and Ben had a good conversation about this. Um, we ran into each other at .all in mm-hmm. Montreal. So I think, I don't know. I almost wonder about people who say that they've never uh, experienced a burnout Mm -hmm. Uh, because it just seems like it's at some point in the course of doing this, your your business is going to reach a point where you probably are going to experience that a little bit, uh, maybe depending on your personality to a lesser degree. I don't know. Right. I think I'm kind of like Matt. Maybe I'm descended from prey animals as well, <laughs> where I have a, uh, an, a natural inclination to be stressed out about stuff. Mm. But then for me, it manifests itself when things that I used to think were really fun or I had always imagined, boy, if I could only land this project like mm. uh, of this scale, like that would be a dream and I would feel on top of the world. And then when it actually happens, it's like, oh, crap.
0: So it's like, like a fire. It's like a fire in this thing now. Yeah. And at some point yeah. you get down to embers right yeah
6: and like and and i'm not saying that it's not initially exciting so like like you get a couple of those projects and you're like man this is great i can't believe i'm getting to do this kind of work but then after a while it just starts dragging you down and right. it's like it's not exciting anymore it's just a thing it's like it's a thing that you have to get done but you're not You're not waking up, jumping out of bed, excited about it like you used to be.
0: Right. And I think some of that is natural to some extent. Like anytime that there is some newness to something, it can be a little more exciting. And as as Jennifer, I think, pointed out on one of our podcasts, I mean, that is one of the nice things about this business is that there is always new stuff to learn. So if that is what keeps you motivated. Like there's more, there's more motivation out there than you can ever, ever swallow. So Jennifer, how about yourself? Have you ever experienced any kind of burnout or been, you know, managing someone that has, has run into that?
1: Yeah, definitely. Actually, both of those things. Mm -hmm. My first experience with burnout was actually working as a management consultant. Um, I was traveling. I took 200 flights that year. I was working sort of, you know, eight months straight without a single day off, oh, not God. even weekends. And, and it's funny because it sounds, you know, listening to the rest of you talk, it's it sort of reminds me how sneaky that burnout can be because mm. you're kind of like that frog in boiling water and you don't really have the self-awareness to know that you're burnt out until there's some breaking point. Mm. And for me, that breaking point was, you know, in some hotel room at three in the morning, looking at this, you know, database and talking out loud to myself. I hate every second of this. Mm. <laughs> I literally said that out loud. And I did that for about a week. Every day, I'd go to my computer and say, I really hate this. Um, <laughs> and, and then at, at some point, the things that I was saying to myself actually got heard by myself. And I said, you know what? I I think I should quit, yeah. and and then just quit, and that that sort of was that. But it, it but it wasn't just you know all those physical symptoms that Ben mentioned. You know I had sort of my own version of those. The the mental symptoms were such you know the ones that you mentioned, but I'd add a couple in there. One was cynicism, hmm. where I felt that things just weren't meaningful. The work that I was doing wasn't going to do anything to have any impact on anyone it was stupid it was pointless and the things that were fun once they were no longer fun and the drudge work that we all have in our in our daily you know developer lives there's always some drudge work those things are particularly bad right um and then and then sort of the cynicism went to indifference you know that instead of i hate every minute of this it was i don't care about any of this right and then that's at, at some point the you know the tipping point happened and I realized, well, this is this is burnout and I'm going to end this and hopefully this will never happen again.
0: Yeah, I'm going to um, end this before yeah. it ends me, right?
1: Exactly. Yeah. yeah, definitely. And
0: so it's interesting that you you mentioned that you felt that the work was meaningless because they say that one of the most important things for job satisfaction is that you feel you're doing meaningful work. You feel you're doing something that makes a difference somewhere to someone, you know? Um, yeah,
1: and, 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 and that people appreciate it and that you're not sort of just code monkey in a cave that's writing something, making it, you know, you're building some digital asset that'll just get replaced in a few months and right. it was kind of pointless and, and yeah, it doesn't feel good to be building things that don't matter.
0: Right. No, and my prep work, like literally my prep work for this show was that I went to watch Office Space again, which is one of my favorite movies, but it, you know, there's a lot of uh, very similar things in that movie in terms of the the main character, he ends up getting hypnotized and then he's just like, yeah, I don't think I'm going to go to work today. I just don't feel like it. (laughs) you know where he's just like you know what this stuff doesn't really matter why am I stressing myself out about this you know hey Patrick what about yourself you have any thoughts on this yeah I
2: I mean I've struggled with burnout honestly going back to probably high school just you know there's some family history there's bullying in the past and things that I think are more depression and and people that have a history of depression I think really are susceptible to burnout it can be really tough when you know as as especially someone in my situation where I'm working from home, working alone. Uh, It's also tough because you're not in a community of people. You're accountable, sometimes only to yourself. Uh, It's really tough. you know, doing the work we do. And, and yeah, it, it's something I've really dealt with over the years.
0: And um, I think that varies though, right? Because some some people, it mm-hmm. would be more stressful for them to go into a, an office cubicle every day after the same long commute every day, sit in the cubicle and have someone come up and say, oh, you've got a case of the Mondays or, or whatever it is, right? <laughs> a case of the Mondays. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> uh,
2: yeah. It, I, I mean, for me, I think so much of it has dealt with the fact that, you know, at least if you're working for someone else, you can say Okay, I have more work than I can handle. Right, you know, you're paying me; I'm your employee. There's just more hours in in what you're asking me than there are in the day, and I'm overloaded. And maybe it shifts to another employee. Maybe they look at right. how they're resourcing you. You know, at least there's something there. When you're on your own, it, it's up to you. Yep. And it, I mean, one thing that uh, one thing I end up turning to when things are getting rough is um, a GTD, getting things done, which I've found to be a really good system for trying to deal with things and trying to manage things. Something that really rang true to me is, you know, like the, the first pages of that book, they talk about how nebulous so many of the tasks we work on are, right? You know, it may be that you just want a client project and in your head, you say, okay, I have to build this website. Well, there's no good way to scope that there's no good way to manage all of that is going to go on with building the website. Part of GTD, uh, and I don't want to sidetrack it too much into that because we get into a whole productivity porn thing, but um, is kind of capturing like, what is every little piece of this? What are, what's everything I know? Break it down, make all these things that are being kept in your head and keeping you up at night and causing you anxiety, get them into a list, get them out of your head and into a physical or digital list somewhere so that at least it's not always on your mind. You can start to chart out what you have to do, what you're committed to. That's been a help among some other, you know, techniques. I've done over the years.
0: Yeah. So why don't we bring it back to Ben Parisik and let's get back to your story in terms of barrel strength and what you decided to end up doing about this burnout that you were feeling.
4: So I think the first thing I tried to do at the, to- at the first round of this, I had a business partner and we agreed I was going to try to take a three week vacation and maybe I got a half a week. <laughs> Maybe I pulled off a half a week that first time, but it was it was an attempt to start to learn how to tell people I wasn't going to be around and, and get away from things. Um, a couple, maybe a month or so after that, I decided to take three months off and maybe I got a month off or three weeks or (laughs) something but again it was just trying to trying to put myself in a position where i started delegating the things that were overwhelming to me or or crossing them off the list or whatever it was at the time we had a, a very demanding client and at a certain point in that relationship i i just said i'm i can't handle this anymore. And we agreed we would hire somebody to try to take over the account. And we told that person we were hiring, this is a kind of a crazy demanding client. If you're up for it, you know, you got to be up for that. And we found somebody who ended up taking over the account and kind of continuing the relationship for a good while. But that that was a very big step in kind of getting out of the major, the major thing that was affecting me. But I think even with that time off, even kind of starting to learn how to carve time off, the, the weirder thing to me is like, once I needed three months off, I, I have no scientific, <laughs> no scientific uh, data or words that, you know, don't trust me essentially, you know, do your Googling, trust whoever you trust to, to establish this. But I think something like switched in my brain. Like I think there's some chemical change in my brain. Where it took me probably two or three years after that to kind of rebuild motivation, reestablish certain relationships, and just kind of find that I was motivated in certain ways again. Mm -hmm. I, I really feel like I just reached a point, though, where like a lot of the spark that I did have just went away. And even after I'd kind of gotten the main problems out of my life, it took a long time and I'll speak to the one relationship that's most important to me through it is, is the one with my wife I had I had just kind of put pressure on our relationship you know what, what I don't I don't know how much in danger the relationship was but it's kind of still something that like we both refer to as a, a rough time mm-hmm. um, so it's like still kind of comes up when there's emotional moments of like you remember when you were burning out and just kind of didn't engage didn't participate were less polite These types of things and um, I think it took several years before I could kind of rebuild that relationship and feel like it was never broken relationship entirely but it was a a relationship that took a lot of time to mend that wasn't just like okay I said I'm sorry let's get back on track here it was more I had to practice learning hobbies again I had to, like, I I literally feel like I had to go out and say, like, what do I want to do in my free time? I got to practice doing this because all I talk about is work and I need to, like, learn to think about.
0: Essentially, you're talking about you, you were stuck in the trap of living to work instead of working to live, right? I mean, to to use an old cliche, but there's a reason why a lot of these old cliches exist is that they're true, right? (laughs) Mm -hmm. You know, you got to make the decision in terms of what are the things that make you happy in life? You know, what are the things that make make you happy? And if working 24 seven, you know, is something that makes you happy, then there you go you know but that's not really the case for most people right
4: yeah I, mean, I think yeah i mean if you're if you're in a relationship or not in a relationship you you might have different bandwidths of how much of whatever you can do but right. at the end of the day we all need relationships in some form to to feel whole and um you know the more we're putting pressure on those the more uh, you know we even you know i don't i don't know don't have people to lean on uh, if you if you break those relationships down, and those are some of the most important relationships you need are the ones you can lean on in rough times and not over overdo.
0: Ben, it looks like you want to chime in here,
3: Ben Kroger. Yeah, what what I wanted to add to that was um, that burnout is defined as well by the World Health Organization, at least as a an occupational condition. And while that may be so, I think it's important to acknowledge that it bleeds into all aspects of our lives. It bleeds into our person, all, all relationships in our lives, which obviously involve personal and family. and And that's a difficult one when we're self employed or when we're business owners to say, okay, well, this is a work thing, you know, a work condition this is something that I'm uh, an issue that I'm facing in the workplace and to not bring it home because Mm -hmm. of course we'll bring it home so so I wonder how it's possible to to purposefully build resilience to burnout or some sort of prevention mechanism or to try and because what we hear so often is that people don't really catch it until it's too late or until it's it's so far along that it's almost impossible to get out at that stage without essentially having to make a you know 180 degree uh, switch. So I wonder if, if there are any ideas from the people here of how we could catch it sooner and how we could b- build resilience to, to, the, to the symptoms, but also to the causes of burnout.
0: Yeah. So I have a couple of ideas on that. And the biggest one, I think, at least in my opinion, is that you need to be honest with yourself. You need to be introspective enough to understand yourself, to know what works for you, what doesn't work for you, what makes you happy, what doesn't make you happy. And then you need to be honest with yourself, like very, very honest with yourself in terms of where you are at in those situations. Mm. You know, that's at least my opinion. But why don't we, we got a couple other people that want to chime in here. So Jennifer, you first.
1: I think one thing I'll just, put in a plug for meditation, Mm. because I think one of the reasons that we suffer burnout is because we're not aware that it's creeping up on us and that our symptoms are getting ever, ever worse. So I I think even just a few minutes a day of self-awareness and checking in with yourself can really help. Yeah. And I think Um, that
0: that's the introspection that I was talking about. And I 100% agree. Like you, you need that. And however, however, whatever it takes for you to do that, if meditation is what gives that to you, then fantastic. Yeah.
1: Yeah, And and I guess the other thing would be building in to your routine based on what you what you've learned about yourself, mm-hmm. the things that will make sure that you're going to be happy, whether it's, you know, exercise, getting enough sleep, if you're sort of, you know, stuck <laughs> on a on the same project, doing the same thing for months on end, like maybe build in some time to do something else. If you really hate programming, or like you think you hate programming, maybe it's just that you should spend a couple hours programming something else, like make a robot right. or something. Or, right. you know, if, you, if you're if you just doing JavaScript all day long, like try Raspberry Pi and maybe it'll bring that spark back. Um, and, and it's amazing yeah. how
0: much the fundamentals matter, right? Yeah, like totally. I, I go on a hike every day, right? It's a forced break. It also is something physical. And a lot of people who are in mental jobs kind of discount the physical aspect of things. But if your body feels good, your mind feels good, right? I mean, and this kind of exercising, and working out can be huge. Huge in terms of adjusting your your attitude. And um, what about uh, do the uh, prey animals, Matt? Do they work out and do this kind of thing? Or
5: sure, I can represent them. All right. Um, so I think uh, basically what you and Chen and said a little bit uh, that recognizing it, or recognizing early signs, is mm-hmm. kind of like the the thing. It's easier to solve a problem when it's a little fire instead of you know burning everything down. Um, <laughs> I have an image of me in my my not healthy state which is i think it comes from robin hood men in tights or some other sophisticated i don't want to be picturing you in tights no well you can if you want but that wasn't the point um And it's that I'm on the wrong side of the horse. There's a point in this movie where somebody you know, is is flipped around in the saddle so that their head is basically oh, right. bouncing off the ground and yeah. they gallop away. And that's me when I'm being dragged around by my own choices. <laughs> I love working for myself and, and having the freedom to choose what I do. Right. But sometimes I'm on the wrong side of the horse and I feel dragged around by the decisions I've made. Yep. And usually the things that help the most. I don't know if that's burnout. I don't know if that's imposter syndrome or depression, but I'm sure they're all kind of linked. It sounds horrible. Um, whatever it is, like you're yeah, upside down, you're getting banged into the ground, you're staring at a horses' great. junk. I mean, yeah, and everybody's yelling that it's happening, and I'm just saying, no, yeah. it's not. Yeah. Um, journaling and keeping. I I don't know where I got this trick. So I usually write to myself, and I feel horrible if ever I died and somebody found my journal because it's just <laughs> very be just. First they think oh all the secrets, and they're like wow. <laughs> We had a lot of complaints, and then the other thing that's been helpful is keeping an, like an achievement box. Like I keep keep a collection of little things I'm kind of proud of, mm. and never to share with any other human being. But I kind of go through that like uh, when I'm feeling like oh, I'm just Matt, a pile um, of crap. Well, serial killers keep those too. Oh no, no, no! They're not. Uh, There's. They're usually <laughs> screenshots, and, and oh, notes, okay. So okay. They're, it's not like teeth. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. Good. Good. Buffalo Bill. <laughs> Slides. Slides of, of blood. Um, no, it's it's just something I go through just to kind of try and convince myself that I'm, I'm not just a waste of, you know, uh, effort. And those two things combined are usually pretty helpful in, in steering and getting back onto the right side of the horse and looking forward. And we, we got someone
0: else. We got burned out Johnny here who wants to chime in and let us know a little something.
5: Yeah, I was just going to
6: jump back to something that Patrick was talking about. I was just thinking about the times when I've really hit like the peak of burnout. I feel like that something that greatly contributes to that is a feeling of like general disorganization. Mm-hmm. So if I feel, the more that I feel like I don't even know where to begin when I walk into the office in the morning, like that just snowballs the, right. the feeling of, uh, of burnout to me. I'm just like, golly, I don't even know, like it doesn't even matter. Like I could just pick anything and go with it and I'm not gonna make any headway because I don't even know where I am. <laughs> even and so, the small tasks feel like just yeah, trying things that can't be absolutely. overcome. yeah, yeah you're yeah. just like, and like that's wrong i mean that's like you have you start developing these ideas in your head that the tasks that you have to get done are insurmountable or there's just no way or it's too hard or whatever and that's really not the case it's just you don't have a clear picture of what you need to do and what steps you need to take so like getting things done doesn't actually work for me But there are some, but like the general idea that you need to sort of sit down and get everything out of your head into some tool that you can visualize those tasks. And then from there, you can sort of break those down into small steps or whatever you want to do. That really helps me a lot. So whenever I start feeling like I'm I'm getting burned out, I try to like take a step back and and maybe do like a reorganization or pull out my little um, project management tool that I use or whatever and just sort of lay everything out so that I can see it and that usually
0: makes me feel better. You know, that's mm-hmm. really funny because I do stuff like that too sometimes. Like I'll I'll clean up my desk. And I'm not a terribly organized person, yeah. but I will clean up my desk and I'll be like, "Oh, suddenly yeah. I feel better. Like I'm going to I can tackle this thing and and get to work on it." it's like there's
6: that famous youtube video of the army general i can't remember his name where he talks about he's like giving a a commencement speech and he says the first thing that you should do every day is make your bed because it's like you started Mm -hmm. your day with like an accomplishment like you've done something and then yeah. it sort of sets the stage for completing other tasks or whatever there's a th- lot to that and ironically is-
0: i'm the opposite of that from the point of view i'm just like you know i don't really want to make my bed i want to get to <laughs> i want to get to doing whatever it is that i'm going to do or you know whatever take the um, dog
2: laser therapy
6: take the this dog laser. Ad-
0: go ahead patrick Yeah, I was going to
2: say, someone had said about how when you feel things start leaking over, to me, one of the biggest things that I've been able to realize, okay, I'm hitting a point of burnout is kind of what Jonathan said, where during the day, I feel like I'm switching gears all day long. Mm. I'm getting distracted endlessly, almost because I don't want to get into these tasks that feel insurmountable. So I keep on finding excuses to get into something else and definitely sleep. You know, when we talk about leaking other parts of your life that my sleep suffers, Mm. not that I can't sleep at night, but I'm not getting enough done during the day. So I then try to make it up when Got it. the wife and kids have gone to bed, when the clients have stopped emailing and mm. I feel, oh, this is great. Now I can get some work done. But next thing I know, it's 1.30 in the morning. And yeah, I am not functional unless I have like minimum six hours of sleep. And you know, then I start the next day not feeling great. And it's just a vicious cycle. Um,
1: I,
0: I totally get yeah. that because it used, well, I mean, I'm going to sound like an old man, but when back in my old day when I was young, like I that used to be my prime working hour would be, you know, at night because there's no one bothering me. And I to get everything done. Now I got a mm-hmm. wife, a kids and family. Like you just can't do it. Like you can't do it anymore. Yep. And and yep. also you just get older and you get tired more easily, you know? Yep. But you're right. Like the, the journey of, uh, what is the, uh, that famous saying the journey of a thousand miles starts with a single footstep or whatever. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Ben, what a uh, single footstep or, or are we talking about here?
4: I so yeah, I think we all as you as you deal with this uh, I think you get some measurements your own measurements to kind of see mm-hmm. as flags and I keep my to do list in kind of just a text file and I kind of have an internal I, I notice now that when that text file breaks 100, hundred hundred fifty lines I should really stop what having meetings have, it's not like one line per to do it's notes from calls various other okay things. But, I was gonna say that's it, enormous. Like a, <laughs> it's it's like a bunch of things, but I just notice when it breaks a certain point, it means I'm that disorganized and it kind of is a flag of like, okay, stop saying yes this week, start getting things in order again. Another question I like to ask uh, people when I do interviews um, over the years has been, how many billable hours do you think are in a week? Mm. And I've had responses all the way up to 120. <laughs> what? And I, I think... Ooh. In the developer world, this is an important one because I, everybody kind of thinks of a week as 40 hours, but it's not 40 hours. And if I, I think there's even agencies out there that require developers to work 40 billable hour weeks, which doesn't mean 40 billable hours. I mean, doesn't mean it's a 40 right. hour week. It means it's a 50 plus hour week at Easily. the end of the day. And so I, I think you have to find your own threshold there of what you're comfortable with, but it's probably more in the 20 to 30 hour range of a reasonable number of billable hours that you need to make work at your rate to get the wage you want for the year and not burn out. And understanding that you know, doing what you need to kind of delay that and then realizing when you're having weeks that are shooting way over that number for too many weeks in a row, eight months perhaps. <laughs> you don't, you don't want to, uh, you know, you gotta, you gotta try to start heading that off, asking why that's happening and, and start correcting the factors that are.
0: Yeah. And getting back to what a number of people here have been saying is I just think all of these things are related, you know, from the point of view of I do think that it is important to get out and do something outside, you know, or or just something to just something totally different to get your mind a break to go do uh, something something else. I also think that getting physical exercise in one way or another is super important. And I think a lot of people discount that, but I think it makes a huge difference in terms of, you know, if I, uh, and I'm one of the things I'm doing is I'm teaching my kids how to lift weights too. I mean, if I do these workouts, I feel so much better. Even, even, even when I'm going into it. Yeah. Kettlebells, whatever it is you, you want to do. Even when I'm going into it and I've got this attitude like, oh, I got a headache. I don't really feel like doing this. I push myself through to do it. From the point of view that I know that every time that I do it, I feel better after I did it. And that is also something that, you know, (laughs) in a former life, many, many years ago, I I ran marathons. And that's something that you also have to do to push yourself through it is know that if I just get out there and I start running, I'm going to feel better by the time I get to the end of it, especially way better than if I if I ever skipped it. Um, uh, Ben Croker, did you want to add something to this kind of balance that I'm talking about?
3: Yeah, it sounds it sounds to me like one common theme that we've been discussing now is is being able to create distance between, you know, what what your work is and yeah. the other things that you do in life. And I think that's so important when we're so close to the problem, it's hard to see first of all that we're even in it, that we have it, uh, and to see any way out. So, creating that distance because we often I think get mixed up in our identity and our sense of responsibility. And how do we separate, you know, me, the person from mm. me, uh, the work that I do, right. and when we when, when when we don't have a clear separation between those two things, it's very difficult to take ourselves out of that situation and do anything besides work. I think we all know as developers that if you want to, solve a problem or come up with a good idea, probably the worst thing to do is sit in front of your computer, Mm. open up a document and, you know, just wait for inspiration to come, right? We we take ourselves out of that situation. We go, you know, we change the the environment, whether it's walking through the woods or in the mountains or or doing whatever it is or listening to music or playing music or whatever that may be. But oftentimes in those moments are when our best ideas come to us. Uh, So I, I think that's a theme that everyone has kind of spoken to here. So far,
5: yeah, hundred percent. And the the risk of of not doing that is is inaction, is being stuck and without momentum, yeah. and, and and in a place that's tricky. I have a trivia question. Uh, one of my favorite quotes from a president or one that's meaningful for me. And I'm sorry for the American nature, America first nature of this question. Um, does anybody know which U.S. president suffered from depression and his motto for himself and the way he got through life was get action?
1: Was it Abraham Lincoln?
5: No. If it's get action, I'm going to say Bill Clinton? No. Oh, <laughs> Fabulous mustache. <laughs> seen hunting a lot of animals back when that was less contentious Teddy Roosevelt yeah yes. Teddy Teddy huh? Teddy Roosevelt yeah. uh, he learned somewhere early on in his life to just whenever he got would start feeling stuck he would just go do stuff and that's partly what you see like yeah you know, looking him out doing whatever he's doing that was that was his secret and I, I remember that because it's two words and I have a bad memory so and sticks.
0: isn't there also like a, a famous adage or quote of uh idle hands are the devil's handiwork or something like that yeah yeah there's something like that right yeah, I mean it. It all makes complete sense because you are more than the work that you do, and you have to. Your your mind is part of the body that it's attached to, and you have to you have to take care of all these things to really function well. I think as a as a person. I mean, what what do you think about that, Jennifer? Are there any strategies that you use in terms of do you do something completely different? Do you go on walks? Do you exercise? You know, what, what do you do to kind yeah. of yeah.
1: yeah? I do hot yoga, which is. I've been doing it for about 20 years now. What's the
0: difference between hot yoga and just yoga? Like what?
1: It's yoga in a in a steamy hot room.
0: Really? Okay. Cool.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So it's I mean it's basically just like any other exercise. I just happen to really like that. But what you said about weightlifting, where you never felt worse, I mean, you, you always felt better after you do it. Yeah. Whenever I try to drag myself to yoga when I don't want
0: to go. Yeah. I mean, even when you don't want to go, you definitely know that you're going to feel better. After you uh, end up doing it. I mean, that makes complete sense to me. And it, it's just something that sometimes you got to force your body to do things, you know, that you know are going to be good for you.
1: Different about developers and developer burnout versus any sort of, you know, any other career, or any other type of burnout. And one thing that I think he mentioned was that in our case, it's harder, it's sort of more amorphous. It's harder to define when the work is finished. Like there's always bugs to fix and, you know, something to upgrade to the next, you know, You know, version, and always something else that you should be adding to it to make it better, and so that that sort of gets me down sometimes and burns me out in a way. So something that I try to do is to put a finishing bow on something and Mm. say, you know, what this is this is done, and I'm sure it's going to be obsolete soon, but it doesn't matter. It's you know it's done, then you could put a nice check mark on it and move on. Otherwise, if you, at least if you're like me and a little bit OCD, you'll just drive yourself crazy.
0: Yeah. And there are little things we can do. So something I've been doing my entire life has been origami. I've been doing it since I was a little kid. And every now and again, when I need a a break from something and I don't feel like going out for a hike, I'll just start working on something. And it's nice because you just zone out, you know, and you're, you're working on something, but you're actually building something, even though it's not taxing you the the same way that maybe some of the development work would do. And it's-
1: with your hands, right? Yeah, you're building with your,
0: yeah, exactly. You're building with your hands and you're not like just vegging out watching something on TV or something like that, Yeah, you know, which I think is uh, an important part of it. But burned out, Johnny, you're you're about to have another kid. What are you going to do to make sure you don't burn yourself out freaking out about, you know, feeling that you have to provide for this new mouth that's coming in? Is that a pressure that you feel?
6: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, other than what I just talked about. So like I've tried to be more organized. I've tried Mm -hmm. to not uh, sabotage myself by having like stuff all these balls up in the air that I'm that I'm unaware of. So I have tried to be more of a stickler with my time management and making sure that every waking hour that I'm at work, I'm actually doing everything I can to get to get stuff done. Other than that, I guess you know, trying to be less of a lone wolf. Uh, I love to, to <laughs> sort of touch every part of a project that comes my way, but uh, but uh, sort of relying more on trusted people that I can that I know I can work well with and that that are good subcontractors for me. Sort of leaning on more people not trying to take take on the full load by uh, all by myself so i would say those two things go a long way it's gonna be crazy i mean this is this is our third baby and so it's it's gonna be it's gonna be a little hairy but mm-hmm. um sort of doing everything you can to sort of get out of your own way um and set yourself up for as much success
0: as possible now well, better to have a hairy baby than a bald baby i guess right congratulations yeah, that's,
1: right. that's wonderful
0: yeah thank you you'll <laughs> <It'll> be busy yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you know, just be smart about it, right? So don't freak yeah. out, don't go crazy, and don't start working, you know, twenty-hour days. Feeling you got to make all this money to pay for this kid, and then well, working. that's a
6: big one too. So knowing your limitations yeah. is a huge is a huge one. So like, I'll, I may be a little more cautious about taking on like some big project or something. Just knowing that my limitations, at least for for a couple of months, are going to be a little more restricted uh, with my with my, with what I can actually take on.
0: Yeah. And for, you know, some people's impulse when they have a new kid is their way of responding to it is, oh, I'm going to have to work harder because I'm going to have to make more money to provide for this kid. And, you know, for good or for ill, that's the, the role that a lot of times men feel that they need to provide. Right. But... Think about it. Like, what is going to be better for your family that you are off working longer hours and they see you less or that you're more involved and you're more there? You know what I mean? So, just don't stress too much about that, I guess would be my advice, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I agree with that. Yeah. So, Ben, where are you at in terms of barrel strength and you doing stuff to ensure that, you know, you're you're not freaking out and that your balance of life and work is more in your favor? <laughs>
4: good question, good question. I think the for for me the something that characterizes burnout is that phase before you've acknowledged what it is at hmm. some level. I don't know how to give that a word, but I think recent recently I came to kind of a a, a light at the end of some tunnel in in kind of accepting that I don't have to run barrel strength forever. It doesn't need to be the talus of the organization to exist forever. And this is a largely world of service relationship and service relationships. You know, I I always find it kind of interesting in our world of agencies in that businesses kind of just exist. They can start one day and another and start the next day. And they... You know, I, I think several businesses when you're small and starting out, you probably have your first client, have a pause between clients, maybe do something else, and then you start your same organization again. So I, I feel like as long as you're good to the people on your team, on in your client list, helping facilitate kind of the next step in whatever the relationship needs to have, you don't need to be the one to, you know, you, know, you might have promised something, but contracts are renegotiable. Yeah. Uh, sometimes you have to say, hey, you know, if you want this done well. I, you know, at, at this point, it's not going to be me who's going to be able to do that for you. <laughs> so, is and that something it, you're it, doing? No, I, I am. I think I'm more being, I, I kind of came to a, I, I did have a kind of a a moment this last month or so where I, I decided I might want to close down shop. And I like these moments of change in that, I mean, I, one, you, you have a Kind of a clear. Uh, you're not tied to an outcome when you are okay with multiple outcomes, and it gives you the chance to explore different directions. So I actually I, I started talking around to people about taking another job. I started talking to other agency owners about what it would take to hand off clients. And once I kind of had a few of those conversations, I learned I learned a lot of things about my own business and things that I can do to improve. You know, to get out of the kind of stuck spot I was in mm-hmm. and then I, I think I even and I kind of had to go through my own process before I spoke to my team about it and then I spoke to my team about it and as I've found in the past as well when you start sharing your story with others most people are understanding most people are burning out in their own ways as well and and being able to tell others that you're in that position um, a lot of people will step up and try to help and my, my team pretty much said to me hey we understand if you're not happy we should try to figure out how to get you happy again and, and like shift roles and. And kind of gave me license to try to make things work, and I, I think what it helped me do is there was a lot of things in my organization which I won't go into that I wanted to change, but that I just didn't see a path to how so you, to do so that. So, what
0: you're saying, Ben, is you got burnt out to the point where you were talking about shutting down your shop. Uh,
4: yeah, yeah, not not public. This is probably the most public I've stated it. Sure. But I, 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 and 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 any clients listening, I've chosen not to do that uh, for, <laughs> for the moment. Um, but no. The, the, the whole the whole through through the whole process though even when i was looking at alternatives i had my team in mind and how am i you know if i'm handing off clients how am i trying to make an arrangement with somebody that i have good team members that could continue to be working on the projects that could continue, continue to be serving the client it wasn't an issue this round with i i think it, the first round was kind of we were growing and it was chaos and a there was a lot of kind of mismanagement happening that I wasn't able to get a handle on. And this time, the business is actually running pretty smoothly. And I'm proud of that, except I've just kind of ended up in a role where I'm not very aligned with what motivates me. And I'm trying to figure out how to get back to be more valuable, you know, to the business and and more happy Mm. to, to myself in that way. So, I think that that was a you know, that talking to my team about it, they they kind of stepped up and said, Hey, let's try to make this work and let's restructure. And so I were kind of in the process of making a lot of changes that I've been, you know, was unable to communicate about before, but I've, I've uh, kind of been given license to talk about liberally. Right. <laughs> about. So it was immediately motivating too. That's the thing. It's like when you get in the burnout, you kind of get demotivated because you don't know how to speak about things. And then I think once you figure out who, who can, you know, once you get the support, network of people that you can work with in place, they, they start to enable your motivation again.
0: So, this whole process made you change your mind, made you say, you know what, instead of burning out, I- I'm going to figure out a way to apply myself so that I'm enjoying what I'm doing again, right?
4: Yeah. And it's a, yeah. And if, if I can't make that happen, I guess the conversation comes up again. It's, it's, you know, it's, I think it's, it's life, you know, we, we can change jobs, we can change things. And at the end of the day, I I feel the most valuable thing is being a good person in the relationships you're in throughout it. So it's easy, you know, it's easy to throw, I don't know, maybe it's not easy for me to throw things out and just kind of walk away from it all that is an option. But I, I think you can still tell people that I'm, you know, I, I understand this is inconveniencing you. I am doing what I can to to help make it happen, but that's just where I am right now. And that's, a, that's an honest statement and it's true. And some people might get madder than others about it, but it, it's an okay statement in my mind to tell sure. somebody.
0: No, I think, it, I think it's a perfectly reasonable statement to make. and I, I want to mention something that Ben Croker was talking about before in terms of having a division between your your work and your life. And this may come down to different personalities and different things working differently for different people. I kind of do the opposite, Ben in that I have less of a barrier between my work and my life from the perspective that I don't go to work, work eight hours, and then that ends and then I go home. And in fact, it's very broken up. And, you know, some days I'll work a half day or if I want to do something with my kids or whatever, I won't work at all that day. And other days I'll work a long time and I will also chop things up. So I'll work for a little bit and then I'll do something else. And then I'll work for a little bit and then I'll do something else. So it's for me, it's more like not so much a division, but more an interleaving of stuff, I think the important thing is that you do have, however you sprinkle that mm. stuff into your life, is that that stuff exists, right? I don't think it has to be a hard and fast break between one and the other. Yeah. Or it can come in little chunks or it can be, it can be you know, a work hours, like a, a normal work hour. But for me, like it works really well. Like if I'm super motivated, then I just crank and I go crazy with it. And if I'm not, or I feel that I need to do other stuff, then I, you know, I, I break it up and I take breaks or whatever. What are your thoughts on that? i
3: Yeah, I totally agree. It's about integration, right? Right. It's about integrating work into personal and personal, even into work. Like I also don't try to separate and not take work home. Sometimes, you know, if I'm stressed out about work, the best thing I can do is, is ask my partner, can I, can I talk to you about what's going on? And Mm. that always leads to good things. You know, first of all, I get it off my chest and, you know, she'll give me some ideas. And, but of course, the other extreme might be, you know, taking, not being able to properly spend time with my family or partner, because, I have work on the mind constantly. Mm -hmm. So the separation is not a separation where, you know, I leave where where I come home and I leave work outside and vice versa it's more of an integrating because I think w- we all start off at least loving the work that we do and we want to continue doing that so we should uh, find a way to integrate work life personal life together as best as we can well
0: but I I will say that if you do even if even if all you did is you started off really enjoying the work that you do you are rare <laughs> Right. I mean, (laughs) if you look at people in the world, how many people really love the job that they do, I would think the number is pretty damn small. Well,
3: maybe that's something we grow into. But I think if we have a choice in the work, in in the job that we Mm. take on, we do it because there's something that excites us about it. Right. Right.
0: right. Well, and and again, that's the key. If we have a choice. And I'm saying, I'm just saying, I think we're lucky that we do have a choice,
3: you know? Right. I mean, one thing that's um, been on my mind lately is that we're we're developers and we're kind of. We've gotten to the stage where we're always online. We're always reachable. And I'm wondering what that's doing to us. Mm. So at the moment, I'm, I'm actually visiting family abroad. And on the way over here, I was in the airplane and this airplane didn't have any monitors, any screens that you can watch films on. Mm-hmm. Instead, while we were boarding the plane, I saw signs saying, you know, download this app from the airline. Right. And the idea is you download this app before you get on the plane. Then you get on the plane and instead of a screen you watch uh, you watch the films that they make available on your mobile phone or, mm-hmm. or mobile device. And... As we know, airplanes were up until quite recently like the last refuge of being completely switched off, being completely unreachable. And we're, we're beyond that now. Now it's we do have Wi-Fi signals on planes. But I think it's important to do that every so often, to switch off, to right. be unreachable, to feel what that actually is like. And uh, one thing I tried to do is intentionally go for a hike or you know, and and not take my phone with me, Mm. or go somewhere, I'll I'll often be in the mountains where we don't actually have signal, or we have a very weak signal for, for emergency calls only. And it might sound trivial, but that feeling of being completely unreachable and like being unable to reach anybody else in that moment, I feel like that kind of awakens uh, some sort of uh, instinctive uh, survival instinct that we that we have. It kind of awakens the senses again. And it connects us with, you know, the prey animals that we really are.
0: <laughs> and I, well... Uh- <laughs> <laughs> Some of us are prey animals. Some of us are, are predators. You know, I mean, it depends on where you are in that chain. We well, know, let's just
3: call it animals then.
0: We know yeah. where we know where Matt is, but no, I get what you're saying because I was on a liveaboard boat for a month, no internet no connection, whatever. And I remember before I went on there, I was a news junkie. I was always paying attention to the news or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I was on that boat for a month. And, and at first I was really bored, right? Because it's natural because you're going from hyper-connected to nothing, right? But then i really started to slow down and enjoy myself. And, you know, we, I had a, a fantastic time. But I remember this feeling in the back of my mind, like, oh my God, all the stuff that I'm missing out on, right? It felt like the, you know, the world would end or, or whatever because I wasn't keeping up with all the news and all the latest stuff that was going on. And then when I ended up getting home. And I, I saw, you know, I actually looked at the news. I'm like, oh wow, mm, nothing changed, you know, no big deal, nothing actually really changed. <laughs> Andrew, <laughs> so, were you lost? Right, it. We're 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 often so
3: so close to. <laughs> Yeah.
0: No, I was not lost at sea, Matt. That was check. D- I was down in off the coast of Papua New Guinea doing a, a liveaboard scuba diving trip. Okay. Oh, okay. And, I just
5: want to make sure and, you were bearing
0: the lead. Incidentally, like a lot of these weird situations that I put people into, I have been in. So, for instance, eating the beetle nut on the beach in Papua New Guinea, that's something I did, you know, that kind of thing.
5: All right? Did you express beaver oil near I don't mean to distract but <laughs> okay. All right,
0: since so we're getting a little personal about extracting beaver oil. So. No. It was your question. <laughs> the beaver
4: pack, can I speak to the beaver?
0: So, yeah. Oh my god.
4: Important part of this to me is when you when you're in your head and you're stuck in these zones, you know, getting out is a very incremental process and it's easy to say just do it, but it's often not Easy to do it in that right. way, and I, I've I've found you really have to accept that. You're kind of retraining yourself, and just like learning to walk didn't happen in a day, it might have taken a few years. Like you're often kind of just relearning to walk about how to read a book or how to stand outside and stare into the horizon or whatever it is. But like doing it for five minutes, accepting it is like, hey, I'm I'm practicing sitting on my porch right now without my phone. I'm pra- I'm literally practicing this, and over time, it it doesn't become practice anymore. It becomes something more comfortable but I, I think being accepting that it's something you often have to retrain, you know, you you had it down as a kid and then all of a sudden somewhere in your life you lost it <laughs> and you've got to relearn it again.
0: Well, I am going to practice reading the show outro, so that about wraps it up for another episode of the devmo.fm podcast. If you'd like to have every episode delivered to your favorite player, you can subscribe via RSS or find us on iTunes or Google Play. And if you like what we're doing, please review the show on iTunes. It's the best way to help others find the show. You can also follow us on Twitter at devmodefm. And we'd love to hear your thoughts on this episode. Leave us a comment on the devmode.fm website where we can continue the conversation. For the devmode.fm podcast, I'm Andrew Welch.
1: I'm Jennifer Bloomberg.
0: I'm Jonathan Melville. I'm Matt Stein. And I'm Patrick Harrington. And thank you, Ben Croker. Thank you. And thank you, Ben Parisik, for coming on. Pleasure. Put down the beaver and walk slowly away, sir. <laughs> <laughs> but this whole beaver castorium stuff is a real deal. It's, it's, it's a, no, it's like a, the anal gland of the beaver and they extract this stuff out of it that they use to make things sweet. They put it in food. That's what it was. Yeah.
4: (laughs) So you just had some food. that.